welcome to this week's journalism.co.uk podcast. I'm Adelina Chobanu, and in today's episode, we'll hear from Anoush Somarodi, the host of WNYC's Note to Self podcast, about the show's latest experiment in audience engagement. The Privacy Paradox, WNYC's latest project involving listeners, kicked off at the end of January with a podcast and a quiz designed to help participants figure out where they stand when it comes to digital privacy and how much their online safety matters to them. Are they believers, realists or shruggers? Until the 10th of February, Note to Self-host Manush Somrodi will interview privacy experts and researchers and send daily newsletters to people who have signed up to join the experiment. They will be invited to share their stories and complete challenges that are aimed to help them understand their online behaviors, what data they're giving away, and how it's being used. You know, again, it was me sort of noticing one little thing that was really bugging me, um, which was that moment of hesitation that I would have when I would go to download a new app or get on a new platform, and the terms of service would pop up. And I would, of course, you know, click agree, but I just felt so dirty <laughs> about it. And I, partly because I didn't read it, partly because I sort of knew as a tech journalist how much of my personal information was being taken from me. And yet I would agree regardless. And so I sort of reached out to my audience to see what their thoughts on privacy and data and personal information was. And what I heard back from so many of them was, I don't like living like this. I feel icky, but I don't know why I feel icky. So what I heard was that they felt like they didn't have the knowledge about what was happening to their personal information. They didn't really know what the trade-offs were. And then they didn't know how to use technology in a way that it aligned with their values. And so it seems like, you know, you hear people say, oh, make sure you have a very strong password or make sure you use two-step verification. And what they really seemed to want to know was more sort of the interdisciplinary aspect of why privacy matters, why it is considered something that we have a right to, and why those rights have not been extended into a place where we live most of the time, which is online. Yesterday was the first day in the week-long series of podcasts and activities designed to help listeners find out how they can take back control of their digital presence. Participants learned about metadata and what they're giving away when they are using their smartphones. They were invited to take a look at the apps on their devices and what permissions they had granted, such as allowing an app to access their contacts, and they could also download the app Signal to send encrypted messages to the Note to Self team. As we go through the week, we're going to explore sort of the psychological side of privacy. We're going to explore um, the right to be forgotten, which a lot of Americans don't really know about. And then on the final day, um, we have Sir Tim Berners-Lee, the inventor of the World Wide Web. And we do something called writing your personal terms of service that you can sort of take with you. We've done it like Mad Lib style, fill in the blanks, to help you figure out what role does privacy have in your life. And how every time when you go online, how can you apply that meaning to make choices that you actually feel good about online? It's interesting. People think, well, I have nothing to hide. Why should I send an encrypted text message? If anybody wants to see my messaging with my mom, they're welcome to it. But I think we're trying to explain that, especially now, as we start to wonder whether marginalized populations need our support, that if we just make 
As Bruce Schneier, the cryptographer, says, if we make encrypted texting normal, then it's not suspicious. If everybody uses a postcard and then you write a letter and put it in an envelope, then an envelope is suspicious. But if everybody uses an envelope, then it's just normal behavior. This is not the first time Note to Self is developing a project that involves the audience. Previously, the show created Infomagical, a recurring week-long experiment that crowdsourced data and stories from 30,000 people to help them cope with information overload, as well as Bored and Brilliant, which asked people to track how much time they were spending on their phones. You know, it's really been a development of what the show is and that we have to make sure even if we are doing a more sort of quite serious subject that we bring to it our sense of fun, that we bring to it our sense of community and that we bring to it our sense of like goofiness. Because I think all these things, whether we're talking about boredom or how we manage our information or digital privacy, we need to reach people in a way that they feel understood, that they feel welcomed, and that they feel like it's a safe place to experiment and share their own stories. So we've already had so many voice memos. I think people really enjoy telling us their stories and knowing that they will be able to hear other listeners' stories as well. That's a key, key part of this. And I think there's also a real power to making it on demand, people knowing that they could do this anytime, this project anytime going forward. But for this week, when they wake up, they know that there will be thousands of other people also waking up and trying something at the same time. So I love that we've reached this sort of mix of on-demand and community action at the same time. Note Self will wrap up the privacy paradox on the 15th of February with reflections about the project and results and feedback from the participants, but all the materials and challenges will remain online for people to access at any time. For us, you know, yes, it would be great if more people had long and strong passwords or had set up two-step verification. But for me, I really want to launch a bigger conversation about what role digital privacy has for us. And I'm very curious to see where our audience wants to go with this broader conversation. I think there's a debate that is just like we are on the precipice of it happening. What with the hacking that happened during the lead up to the election, with this sense of the Internet of Things sort of booming. What's the answer here? Is it a new government agency? Like we have the NTSB, which protects our airlines as the internet becomes more of a utility, what sort of protection do we want for it? Maybe it's an ethical oath like physicians take that they will do no harm. Maybe it's something that we need to have for technologists as well. But at the very least, what we want people to do is start to have this conversation. You know, even if it's as simple as telling your babysitter not to post pictures of your kid, just that you care about privacy, that it's something that, that, you know, when I was growing up, we knew you would never open someone else's mail, right? So we need to start to respect each other when it comes to our online identities as much as we do in real life. If you'd like to take part in the Privacy Paradox, you can still take the Privacy Quiz and sign up for the project on www.privacyparadox.org. If you do, let us know your thoughts when the experiment concludes on Friday. And thanks for listening to the journalism.co.uk podcast.